when I look back at my time, I don't think I could have ever been free. I don't think it was possible for me to be free until I let Brittany know and let it out in the open. So in some ways, all the painful consequences that I had to walk through was the only pathway to get there. And so I always let people know, I mean, you can't go back in time and fix it. You can't go back. I couldn't go back to the beginning of our marriage when we were dating and then decide to be real, but I could make the choice that I did and to let it all out when I did. So why not just deal with it now? Like, you know, get it out in the open now so you can be free. One of the sinful habits that sexual addiction will teach a man is the art of lying. It starts when he's a teenager, hiding dirty magazines or deleting internet search histories. He does it because something deep down knows that it's wrong and the shame and fear he's experiencing encourage his deception. But then he grows up. He gets married and establishes a career and begins to build a reputation. And keeping up a good appearance begins to require much more frequent, subtle, and elaborate lies. Dustin Renz brought his own deceptive ways into his marriage before coming to Pure Life. And rebuilding his relationship with his wife, Brittany, has required years relearning what it means to be an honest and vulnerable husband. Today, Dustin and Brittany join me to share their story. Thanks for joining us this week as we continue our series for husbands. I hope it's been encouraging you to allow the Lord to search you and that you've been willing to take a look at what's inside you and address some of those areas that may not be what the Lord wants them to be in your marriage. I'm excited about the interview you're going to hear in just a moment with Dustin and Brittany, because one of the things that really stands out to me is that like a lot of the men who come to us, Dustin was convinced that his sexual sin was just one little problem in his life. And it was this self-deception, this image of his life that didn't actually line up with reality that encouraged him to continue lying to his wife. And so as you listen to their story, I hope you'll be encouraged that if there's any hidden thing in your life to open up about it. Even if it doesn't seem like a big deal, I hope Dustin and Brittany will convince you that it could be the very thing keeping you from experiencing greater joy and peace and a deeper intimacy between you and your wife. So Dustin, Brittany, thank you for joining us today. Um, Dustin, I um, reached out to you and wanted to just kind of see what your thoughts were on some of the things that were important for you Um, when you were rebuilding your marriage. And what stood out to me was just how important honesty and transparency are in a marriage. And that kind of goes right in hand with a lot of what you've talked about before on this podcast, which is how you were really living, putting out a false image for many years um, before you came to the residential program. But you've never really discussed that in depth and what that was like in your marriage, in your relationship with your wife. So could you talk about that time before you came to the program um, in light of your marriage? Sure. So uh, Brittany and I met in Bible school. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I graduated Teen Challenge, I actually stayed and worked for a couple of months. And that was when I started, you know, I'd been free for 11 months or so okay. from pornography, from drugs and everything. But I ended up working in an office with a computer access and mm-hmm. I started stumbling again. And um, so we met and 
when I first met her, I wasn't looking for a wife or a spouse, but we fell in love and okay. I knew it was the Lord. I felt like we were uh, brought together by him. Hmm. And so I, I told her everything initially. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I told her my whole history, everything that I had done sexually. I mean, I just laid it all out there mm-hmm. because she had grown up in a, a Christian home and mm-hmm. had lived a completely different life than me. And so I wanted her to know that this mm-hmm. is what the kind of the package of my life is. And so initially I really wanted to be real and I wanted to, mm-hmm. I needed help and I knew that. So I went to see a counselor at our school, okay. started meeting with him and um, I would meet with him and, and share with him, you know, what was going on and try to get help. But then I was working at Teen Challenge on the weekends in an office mm-hmm. by myself and well, with, you know, open computer. So then I would be looking at porn on the weekends and going back to school and trying to, you know, share all the things that were going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know like what the time frame was, but eventually I, I started to realize I'm going to lose this relationship if mm-hmm. I don't get this thing right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting free and I don't know when I'm going to. And so I'll kind of deal with this between me and God and I'll start just telling Brittany and the counselor that I'm doing okay, hmm. uh, which is the worst decision I ever made to start lying about it. But I kind of felt like this is all I know to do. So basically, I, I lied to her and um, we got engaged and mm-hmm. we got married and she had no idea about it. And um, those first few years of our marriage, I mean, it started off where I was expecting the marriage to fix the problem and right. that didn't happen. And so then I was still dabbling, still dabbling. And in my eyes, it was like, well, you know, things are okay other than this little area of my life that I'm right. dealing with. But I didn't see it as like having two different lives developing. Looking back, mm. I see it that way, but I kind of just saw it as, well, the, I have this little struggle from my past. I'll get over it. This will be the last time. I'll, I'll get free mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being nearly six, six to seven years where that life became more and more mm-hmm. evident. And, and I still felt like she knew me. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was hiding this secret life. I didn't see it in those terms because I was so mm-hmm. deceived. I just kind of felt like we had a relationship where we had a marriage. Uh, we were, you know, we knew each other and I, I mm-hmm. felt like I was being transparent to a degree with her. Mm-hmm. It was just, I was keeping this little secret to myself that of course wasn't a little one, but I saw it that way in, mm-hmm. in my deceived terms. Did that change your perspective on Brittany or your interactions with her? Like, did you see that as you started to lie and hide more and more that your, you know, that honesty and, and stuff changed over time? Yeah, I think, I mean, anytime you lie and manipulate, it's like you, you start covering up this one lie and that leads to another lie. And mm-hmm. eventually I had so many things going on because it wasn't just the pornography. It became the drugs, the alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, spending money on these things. And so it mm-hmm. ended up becoming like kind of out of hand where I would allow her into a certain degree because mm-hmm. she knew I was struggling with some things. She kind of knew that I was having emotional issues and different things, but I would always mask them as, well, I'm dealing with something different mm-hmm. where, and I never let her in. So it's kind of like I let her into a, a place, okay. but she can never get past that place. So Brittany, I'm really happy that you were able to join us today for this interview, because I think that your perspective on some of what Dustin's saying and that time is going to help um, some of the guys who are listening see how exactly lying and manipulating really impacts someone else, not just themselves. So what was your perspective on that time period that Dustin was talking about in your life? So that's a little bit complicated because when somebody is lying and manipulating, they're really good at it. They get really good at it. And so it's really hard to know anything at that Mm -hmm. time because I would try to, I, I get a little hint of something and then I'd talk to him about it and he would give good answers and kind hmm. of downplay things and 
when you love someone, you automatically want to trust them. Okay. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. Okay, he must be trustworthy. His mm. answers are pretty much panning out. And mm. so I really didn't know much. And that's why when it all came out, I was so devastated because I just didn't know anything. I didn't have any hints of things until looking back, I could remember, oh, there's a uh -huh. few things here or there. So then did you feel like you had what kind of you had always imagined would be a good Christian marriage? Yes, I definitely thought at the time that we had a good Christian marriage. He was in the ministry. We did mm -hmm. ministry at our church. Mm -hmm. We were involved in so many different aspects of Christian things, things mm -hmm. that would, um, outside looking in, would seem like a really good on-track Christian couple. Okay. And really the only thing at that time I noticed was his bouts of depression. Okay. And I would talk to him about that and kind of try to find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And it would always just be some evasive answer, something that I didn't quite understand, but I mm -hmm. kind of just accepted because what else would I have known? I didn't know any other sins that he was hiding, but okay. I guess that played out as depression, and that was kind of what he was willing to share with me. Hmm. So that's interesting to me, because one of the things I asked you um, to kind of help us prepare for this interview was, what was a lie you used to believe um, that you now see is not true about how to be a good husband? And what you had said was that you felt you needed to lie and to hide all this in order to protect Brittany. And in some ways, it sounds like that's kind of what was happening. So I'd like you to talk about that answer and how even though it seemed like you were protecting her, that that, I'm assuming, wasn't really true. Sure. I mean, I think that that was really the whole problem all along when when I decided to start lying early on in the marriage. When I started pretending everything was okay, I kind of created this other persona that nobody knew about except for me and the Lord. And interestingly, I remember early on, we were doing youth ministry. We were on our way out to a youth group. Um, this is probably our first year of marriage. And we were talking about somebody that we knew who had fallen into drugs. I don't remember hmm. the exact scenario. But I remember it at that time, Brittany saying to me, if you ever were like that again, I could never stay married to you. Wow. Just as a flippant comment. She wasn't you know, wow. meaning for it to be anything. Uh -huh. And I remember... All these years later, I, I can still remember that comment because that was the thing that I was like, if I ever tell her, you're like, she's going to leave me. And that, huh. that was kind of like the the fear. And, and so... And at the time, I wouldn't have thought that he was doing any of that right. stuff. So that yeah. comment wouldn't have been like even a threat. It was just kind of like a offhanded, like, oh, that's not you. And mm -hmm. that's, I'm glad it's not you type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So I think the devil really used that as... Hmm. ammunition to kind of, that was like the fear that I always had. If, if I ever come clean, you know, Brittany will leave me. So the way I handled that, I I wouldn't have thought, I mean, I, I did think in that way that I was protecting her in the sense mm -hmm. of like protecting her from having to walk through all the pain. Um, hmm. The deeper we got into ministry, I knew it was going to affect my credentials. I knew, I knew mm -hmm. that if we, if I confessed, I'd get pulled off the mission mm -hmm. field. She felt called to missions as a child. So I felt like I'm the hero here. Like I'm going to yeah. keep her from losing everything. And I have to, it was like this burden. I felt like my cross, mm -hmm. I got to bear this burden. Wow. And so I held on to that for, for years. And the big lie that I believed, and it's kind of a weird thing, but I just remember thinking throughout that time, I can't tell Brittany now 
the stakes are too high. It's mm. going to destroy our relationship. But I had mm. this fantasy that I would get free. I really thought that I was going to get free between mm. me and the Lord. And I pictured me and Brittany, we're like in our 70s, 80s. We're sitting on our rocking chairs, you know, in our house and we're wow. retired and we're sitting there. And I would say, hey, honey, you know, like back when I was in my 20s, like I had this issue I didn't tell you about. And I just wow. wanted to kind of confess to you and let you know. But it's it's so far back there, it's no big deal anymore. And I kind of felt like I'd have this big, long track record of doing well. Wow. So then she would be like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, like you, I'm glad you told me, but that was when we were young. So that was kind of like this weird thing that was always in my mind. Like, I will get clean eventually because I knew huh. I had to tell her, but I can't do it now because it's going to cause too much destruction. So I'll just wait until it's less destructive to tell her. And of course, that was a lie that, you know, kept me yeah. going and going in sin. But that's what I was telling myself the whole time. It's interesting because when you, you talked about, um, you said that you were afraid that you would lose the relationship. You even said, I mean, you sp- but you spun that in terms of protecting her. And you talked about her wanting to be a missionary, but you were afraid that you would lose your credentials. So in a way, it sounds like there was actually a lot of selfishness that you were kind of trying to play off as selfless. Sure. Well, I think that's really the heart of it. It was all really about me. Uh But in my mind, to justify and rationalize what I was doing, I had to feel like my hiding is actually benefiting her in some way, mm-hmm. which looking back is total deception. But at the time, it seemed to make logical sense. Yeah. So what was that like when it finally came out? What was the process like that led up to it? And how did that affect both of you? So we were on the mission field. We were there. We'd been there about 16 months. And initially, I didn't know the language or the culture, and so I wasn't able to really get access to anything. But as mm-hmm. time went on, I learned the language, and I started to figure out how to get mm-hmm. drugs. And so um, I had actually been able to get cocaine for the first time over there. And mm-hmm. just within a couple of days, there was one night I was up, and I was doing drugs. She was in bed. And that night, I had such a conviction of, I need to tell my wife. Mm-hmm. For years, I struggled with, if I could just tell somebody, if I could get this out, mm-hmm. I'll be free. That was the whole thing I fought, but then I would always convince myself not to do it. And that night, I remember making a tangible decision in my heart saying, I have to keep living this lie. At that time, my daughter was you know, just about a month old. And I remember thinking, if I let this out, I knew what was going to happen, and I just thought, I have to keep living this lie. Hmm. I can't tell her. I'm just going to have to continue Mm -hmm. on. That was like a decision I made. Mm -hmm. Um, And that next morning, Brittany woke up, and we were in bed, and she just looked at me and asked me, "Um, what's going on with you? Because I could tell that something was wrong, that he was just very depressed. Something looked really wrong. And like many times before, I asked him, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? And... This time he shared everything, Hmm. whereas before maybe he just gave me Mm a Mm -hmm. real quick answer, downplayed it, but he just shared everything that he had been doing for the past several years, and I was totally devastated, Mm -hmm. totally blindsided because I hadn't known any of these things, and when he shared... I was so upset. I almost didn't register what he was saying. Hmm. But then as I started to realize what he was really mm-hmm. telling me and the reality of it, I was almost frightened by who this was hmm. and thinking, I've been married to this man for five, six years by this point, And who is he? Yeah. Because he wasn't who I thought he was. Hmm. And I didn't know how it would look after this. Mm-hmm. What what was going to happen now? What was going to happen with our baby? Mm-hmm. Because of all of this stuff that mm-hmm. he had just spilled out. 
Well, and for me, it was it was like a chain reaction went off. Mm-hmm. And I had for years thought if I could just get this out, mm-hmm. it'll fix it. Like mm-hmm. I kind of had this expectation, like mm-hmm. it's the secret that needs to be let out. And if I can just do that, then maybe mm-hmm. this will all be over. But it kind of began the nightmare in some ways because... Yeah. You know, we immediately called the missionaries. They came over. Mm-hmm. I showed them everything I had. Three days later, we were mm-hmm. flown back to the U.S. and asked to resign. Um, we were, you know, we ended up moving in with her parents. We had a baby to raise. And my expectation of this fixing the problem yeah. actually, in some ways, opened up the chaos. And it was the first step in getting to somewhere. But I was hoping yeah. that I would just feel like all the, mm-hmm. this is all off my chest and now it's done. But really bringing it out just caused her to begin the process of dealing with it all. Yeah. And it just caused like just a chain reaction of negative consequences that eventually led me to pure life. But initially, yeah. uh, for about eight months, we had to walk through some pretty painful uh, consequences. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that in some ways because for years I hid my sin and I thought all I wanted to do was confess it to someone. And when I finally did... It wasn't immediately that everything was okay. I Mm -hmm. lost my job. I lost a lot of relationships. And I mean, coming to Pure Life, while we can look back and say, man, you know, the Lord changed me here, Mm -hmm. it does not feel (laughs) like something good is happening to you at the moment. So I think that as people are continuing to live in lies, they're just building up more and more how painful that moment of revelation is going to be. Absolutely. And that even though the consequences might take a long time and play itself out, it still in the long run was better that he said it then, didn't wait even more years mm-hmm. and pile more consequences mm-hmm. and more effects from those sins. I want to take a break from our interview to make you aware of one of our resources available for couples who are struggling in rebuilding their marriage. From Ashes to Beauty is a book written by Jeff Cologne, whom you're going to hear from along with his wife Rose in a later episode. Like every couple facing serious marital strife, they needed to discover the power of the cross in order to bring them into the Beatitudes of Christ. They had to get to the heart of the problem so that a deep inner transformation could take place in their lives. Jeff shares that testimony along with that of other couples and looks at the Beatitudes in a way that applies them to the problems marriages often face. The book also includes a very in-depth study guide with a lot of practical ways to walk out what's being learned. You can find it by visiting our bookstore, store.purelifeministries.org. All right, back to our interview. I think we would all say that it is worth it to bring our sin out into the light, um, that the consequences we have to walk through are worth the freedom and the joy in the Lord and in our relationships with others that we'll experience. But I think a lot of people are going to hold up their hand and try to resist that moment. So if you had someone that you knew was hiding, was being dishonest with their wives, how would you counsel them looking back at yourself in that period? I think what I realized walking through all this, when I look back, you know, I had always told myself I was going to get free between me and God. That was the big thing. I'm gonna, it wasn't that I was just going to blatantly live in sin, but mm-hmm. me and God are going to get this figured out between me and mm-hmm. him. 
And I've counseled people before in that place who don't want to, they don't want to mm-hmm. let it all out in the open. And my advice is if that works between mm-hmm. you and God, that little thing that you think you got mm-hmm. going on, then why aren't you free? Like how many years have you been struggling mm-hmm. with this? It's five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. If you want to be free, this is the only way to do it mm-hmm. is to get right, let it out wow. in the open. Um, when I look back at my time, I don't think I could have ever been free. I don't think it was possible for me to be free until I let Brittany know and let it out in the mm-hmm. open. So in some ways, all the painful consequences that I had to walk mm-hmm. through was the only pathway to get there. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it was so destructive and so painful was because mm-hmm. I waited so long. And so I always let people know, I mean, you can't go back in time and fix it. You can't go back. I couldn't go back to the beginning of our marriage when we were dating and then decide to be real. But I could make the choice that I did and to let it all out when I did. So adding more days and more months and more years just caused more and more pain. So why not just deal with it now? Like, you mm-hmm. know, get it out in the open now mm-hmm. so you can be free. And maybe it would have helped back then if he would have gone to a pastor, a mature believer, that he could just explain what was going on, that he wanted to get free, and maybe they could have helped him walk through that time before he even had to tell Hmm. me, but that he was getting someone to help him. Hmm. As we're talking about this, it kind of makes me think about the sermon you just delivered to the men in our residential program. Mm -hmm. You were talking to them about the story of Achan out of the book of Joshua, how he was hiding his sin and how that didn't just affect him. That didn't even just affect his family. That affected the whole Israelite community. And you Mm -hmm. made some pretty strong um, statements to the guys about that. So I'm wondering if you can relate that to your marriage and the conversation we're having. Sure. Um, One of the points in that message that I made, Paul talks about in Galatians, that if you um, sow to the flesh, you'll mm-hmm. reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And one of the points, this is the first time I've really thought of it this way when I was preparing that message, was as believers, or as people even, we all have control over what kind of seed we sow. If We, mm-hmm. we can choose to sow to the flesh mm-hmm. or to the Spirit, but we have no control over the harvest that comes. Mm-hmm. And so us making decisions, the repercussions and the consequences of those decisions we make, mm-hmm. they're going to play out in a certain way that affects other people. Wow. It's like a ripple effect yeah. that we can't choose how that is. You can't yeah. control it or keep it. Uh-huh. You can't decide, well, I'm going to plant this seed here and I only want it to affect me. Yeah. And the lie that a lot of people believe is that, well, my sin really is just my deal. I got to deal with this between me and God. It doesn't really affect my wife or my kids. Hmm. I'm not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. But that's just not biblically true. And when you look at someone's life, it's obvious that their consequences and their decisions have a very large impact on people around them, whether they want them to or not. We've already kind of touched on one of the questions I wanted to ask, which is, um, what does the Word of God have to say about living honestly and transparently um, in a relationship? But is there anything else that you think would be worth sharing that we haven't touched on already? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about the theme about walking in the light as he is in the Mm -hmm. light. I mean, obviously, that's in 1 John. And I think he he does this contrast between darkness and light, and we can't Mm -hmm. live in the darkness and claim to know God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that should bring conviction to anybody who claims to be a believer, and yet Mm -hmm. they're living in the darkness. Um, So I think part of the lifestyle someone has to develop even after the first confession. You, mm-hmm. it, this is an ongoing process. It's not just a one-time mm-hmm. deal. You just come clean and then you go back into hiding. You have to learn how to be an open book and, mm-hmm. and with with people close to you in your life, a spouse, a pastor, not the whole world necessarily. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, but also, I really love the scripture Paul says in Romans 12, 9, in, depending on your translation, NIV says, let love be sincere. Mm-hmm. But that word sincere is actually translated, um, it's in the Greek, it's anipokritos, which means without hypocrisy. Wow. And so Paul gives this exhortation to us that love should be without hypocrisy. And so, mm-hmm. especially in a marriage relationship, which should be the most close relationship that you have on the earth, the, mm-hmm. the person you're most intimate with, you can't truly love them mm-hmm. and have that true marital bond mm-hmm. if you're living with a mask on. It just, biblically, it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. and practically, it doesn't either. So as you talk about learning to live in the light, learning to love without hypocrisy, um, obviously that didn't happen right away when you confessed. That probably had to play itself out when you returned from the residential program Mm -hmm. and got back into having to rebuild your marriage. So can you each talk about what that time was like, some of the struggles, some of the issues you had to walk in to learn to build honest communication with each other? So I could see that Dustin was being more open and honest after coming back from Pure Life. And it was something that had to develop over a lot of time. Trust doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. I had Mm. to see that he was being trustworthy. And the more he was open and honest, communicating with me about anything that he was struggling with or just just difficulties that he was having. Mm -hmm. He was just being more open about his life in general. Mm -hmm. And I think he was getting help from our pastor, Mm -hmm. mature believers. So there was definitely accountability um, factored in there. And I couldn't be his accountability partner. I still have my emotions and, and my thoughts involved. But if I had to or wanted to ask him a question I knew he was able to answer me honestly and able Hmm. to open up and be honest with what he was dealing with or struggling with. Well, and for me, I think the process, it was very challenging because I had spent years trying to learn how to deceive and manipulate. I mean, that was a lifestyle and I had gotten really good at it. And so Mm -hmm. to learn to live outwardly and to talk about what was going on inside, especially if Mm -hmm. I was having a struggle with something, was completely contrary to what I had Mm -hmm. taught myself to do. So it it took a while. I mean, even with pastors and things, I'd have to learn to be open and honest. And there were times where I felt like I was really struggling and I'd tell Brittany, like, I need you to pray for me. And Hmm. um, But one thing I found for me is I had to really, and probably a lot of people deal with this, but for some reason, I would get real defensive if she would ask me, "Hey, how are you doing? You know, have you seen anything?" And huh. if I was doing well, it would it would be frustrating because I kept feeling like, "Why don't you trust me yet? You know, why are you asking mm. me those questions?" Yeah. And so I had to work through some of that. Where I had to realize, like, I'm the one who caused all these problems. So yeah. how, who yeah. am I to get upset? But when you have a good track record, you're like you're doing so well. To be questioned was difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm used to it now mm-hmm. because now I know, you know, I'm not above temptation and I've got people who can ask those tough questions. Yeah. But initially, I just remember yeah. being oftentimes very like, like, why are you asking me? You know, I'm doing good. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it kind of thing. And I had to work through some of my selfishness in that, I think. And on the flip side, when I would ask him those questions and if he did admit or say something he was struggling with or something that was difficult... I wanted to get real upset myself and like, why are you still dealing with this? I thought you, you know... Uh, overcame these things or or got past them. But I had to realize like he had to take a lot of time to get these sins out of his life, to get the temptation out of his life by continually walking in freedom and being Hmm. open and and honest. So I had to deal with things myself internally Mm -hmm. to be a support 
not to pat him on the back and say, oh, better luck next time, but just to be a support where I realize he might mess up, he might make a mistake, but he's going to continually walk more in the light. Was it um, was it challenging for you at first to really believe like, okay, he's not going to go back to hiding everything, um, to really believe that he was on the right track? Did you have to fight to believe that about him? Oh, yeah. A lot of doubt, a lot of distrust at first, a lot of kind of unbelief. Is he saying what I want to hear or is he saying yeah. the truth? especially in the beginning, because I'm thinking back on when he opened up and shared all this stuff and how could I have, I didn't even know anything was happening. Mm -hmm. You know, I already believed the lie once. Am I going to believe a, Mm -hmm. you know, a lie again? So definitely the time factor was, was big because it would took a lot of time to trust him again and to believe what he was saying. But I could see the more that he was walking in freedom and walking in the light I would begin to trust him more and just to see that he was walking what he was saying. So when we look at that whole process, that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. I mean, it was messy, yeah. difficult, challenging, mm-hmm. ups and downs, emotions. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like we flipped a switch and everything mm-hmm. was perfect. Um, it was really a long time. I mean, it still continues to this day, but we've grown a ton. So it's a lot hmm. different. But initially it was really difficult, I think, for both of us. But the Lord gave us the grace to kind of navigate through it yeah. and get us to a place where where there was trust built. And uh-huh. I was walking in transparency and you know, to get us to where we are today. So I want to kind of switch gears as we close today, because you guys talked in Rebuilding Your Marriage a lot about that process of learning to be honest, learning over time to rebuild trust, and how that involved your communication with one another about some of those things going on in your life. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that there are other factors of just building a healthy marriage centered in God Mm -hmm. that would over time help you guys to feel more Um, close and vulnerable with one another. So is there anything else um, you'd like to share about how you rebuilt your marriage um, as we close today? Yeah, I think for sure, you know, prayer, obviously, that are having quiet times ourselves, getting into the Word for ourselves, but also as a couple, we've gone through marriage books together just Mm -hmm. to learn. We've uh, watched videos and things, and so we do spend time doing that um, on a regular basis has been helpful. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me is just that Brittany referenced it, but I've got people in my life mm-hmm. that I meet with on a regular basis. I've got a couple men right now, and once a week mm-hmm. we get together. And one of those questions that I'm asked every week is, how's your marriage doing? How you treat mm-hmm. your wife? What kind of issues are you working through? Mm-hmm. And so I think for her, knowing that I have people that are asking me, I mean, we don't just talk about marriage, we talk about lust and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like Knowing that I have people that I'm going to, that I'm being transparent with, mm-hmm. gives her a piece about where I'm at. Um, but that's been a huge advantage for me just yeah. as a married man to have people to ask those questions because, you know, you have to be able to be held accountable for yeah. the way that you're acting yeah. and treating your wife. Yeah. And we're able to do devotions together. And this isn't in place of like personal devotions, but we're able to read um, a marriage devotional or listen to a podcast or something like that that will build our marriage up and be able to pray together, Mm -hmm. and sometimes just going on dates together where we're just spending time building a relationship. Without the kids. (laughs) (laughs) That is a benefit. But um, to be able to just spend time together and communicating, talking um, about our life, about our day, um, and anything else, just, yeah, uninterrupted, of course. Um, So those are definitely beneficial things. 
Well, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. I think this is going to really bless a lot of people who are trying to work through some of the things in their own marriages. Sure. It's our pleasure. Yeah, we're happy to do it. As I mentioned earlier, there is a lot of good that comes with opening up about those hidden areas of sin in our lives. I mean, I think I'd say it's even true if something doesn't seem like a sin, or if you know you're repenting of sinful habits, but you're still struggling to gain that victory you desire. Being vulnerable is going to do a lot of good for you either way, because we can keep things in the dark and keep them to ourselves, but it's just going to prolong the problem. 1 John 1.7 is a verse we share with our students a lot, and it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, get that image in your mind. Being cleansed, really cleansed from all sin. If you keep your sin hidden, then it's like being covered in filth, but running into a room and hiding in embarrassment. You may not have to face the shame of being seen, but you're stuck cowering in the dark, miserable and dirty. And that cleansing and refreshing is just waiting for you if you'll come out into the light. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.